0: From Queer Eye for the Straight Guy to Chopped, Emmy Award winner Ted Allen has been entertaining us for years. Since 1997, he has been a contributing writer for Esquire magazine and is the author of two cookbooks. We had a chance to speak with Ted about his time at NYU and his successful career path.
1: I came to NYU for about three reasons. One, because I wanted to study um, science and environmental journalism. I wanted to have a different angle on my graduate degree uh, in journalism and the program formerly known as SERP at the time, which now is known as Sherp with the addition of health, um, is the only program at the time was the only program of its, of its time, um, to my knowledge. And that interest in having that angle on my journalism came from national public radio, which of which I was and am an avid listener and member. And those long form in depth, um, stories they would do on things that nobody else would do, uh, with the possible exception of the times. Um, is what inspired me. Um, another reason was I graduated from Purdue University with a psychology degree, decided I didn't want to spend five years getting a PhD in clinical and wasn't accepted at any place good anyway, because you have to be in the 99th percentile and I, I had excellent grades, but not that excellent. Um, and journalism found me, uh, and I thought, well, I, I... a lot of people like to go abroad for a little while after they get their degree. I wasn't going to, going to do that, so I thought I really wanted to study in New York. In New York, and I specifically wanted to study at NYU and live downtown. And I obviously, when you, this is the greatest place you could ever study journalism, um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it, every minute of it. Uh, among the professors I recall are Pulitzer Prize winner Natalie Angier, um, the ever so dapper and elegant Stanley Flink, who helped get me a job on the copy desk of the New York Daily News when I was 23, um, which paid 37.50 an hour union, union scale, uh, which was a ton of money at the time. And it was an amazing experience. I'll never forget the message on my answering machine from the copy chief, Lynn Valenti. He was a substantial man. And when he talked, it sounded as if he had a hoagie in his mouth, and he said, Ted, this is Len Valenti from the New York Daily News, and we'd like you to come on up for an interview. And I uh, never got to write the big gotcha headlines, but, uh, you know, uh, what a great place to learn headline writing. And the building, the news building, is extraordinary. It was such an amazing experience. Stanley made that happen. Stanley got me an interview with Jim Hogue, who was the editor-in-chief of the New York Daily News, Um, another very patrician elegant gentleman who went on to run the Council on Foreign Relations and may still be there for all I know. Um, Michael Hershorn uh, was great but of course the most important person at SERP was Bill Burroughs, William Burroughs, the creator of the program and an aficionado of spy planes and all things military and, 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 and related to espionage. He's written many books books about it so it was it was special.
0: So when you were working at the Daily News were you a student or was that after you graduated? While I was a student? And then after you graduated, what career path did you take?
1: Well, you know, I would have liked nothing better than to stay in New York City, but I did not envision doing that on a ger- starting journalist salary. I went to Chicago. I found a community weekly, a chain of community weeklies called the Learner Newspapers and applied for a job there. And the way I applied is a way that I think is instructive. Maybe what I'll do here is propose a couple pieces of, uh, pieces of advice to new graduates. Hustle. In other words, demonstrate... An ability to stand out from the crowd, um, also get informational interviews with editors that you admire. Um, they might buy you lunch, and then they'll remember your face. And when, then when you send them queries and, and story pitches, it, it means more. Um, I went to the Learner Newspaper's office. I, I grabbed a copy of the paper. I, I saw what kind of events they were covering. I, I identified something going on in the community. I went and I covered it. And I wrote a good story about it, and I slipped it over the transom. At the paper, and I had a job in about four days. It doesn't hurt that I'm also a good reporter and a good writer. Um, I covered communities on the north side of the city. Wrote lots of stories about people in Wrigleyville who were tired of Cubs fans peeing on their houses. And I covered, you know, all sorts of community meetings and uh, cops. I love doing cops. I did the police blotter, uh, which is really fun to do. And. Got myself transferred to the downtown newspaper called Skyline where I got a column and covered downtown and River North and all the restaurants.
0: Early on, did you ever have thoughts about going into television or broadcast news?
1: Definitely had no interest in broadcast news and it turns out I was right. no, I had never even been in a school play. I'd never been in front of a camera. There was one little harbinger of where I might end up when I st- when I was still at the Le- at Lerner Newspapers. The the gentleman who now is my husband was an editor there. After I left, I got a I think got, I got a job at Chicago Magazine, editing the front of the book section and writing feature stories. And Barry had an idea for a dining review. Um, column that would be written by him me and two of our other friends so that we could get free food It was called the famished four and we would each write a chunk often arguing with one another It was actually pretty good uh, And I fell in love with doing that. I fell in love with the intellectual exercise of going into a restaurant and sincerely Tasting that whether it's a fancy place or not fancy sincerely appraising whether they're delivering what they were promising And I I just found that enormously stimulating. And I ended up doing that also for Chicago Magazine when I got that job. My favorite job I've ever had to this day. Not long after that, I worked there for four and a half years. And about six months later, Scott O'Molonic, who worked at GQ, asked me to write a story about the Adventurers Club in Chicago. They have one here too. And this is... A wonderful place. You open the door and there are elephant tusks and stuffed polar bears and shrunken heads and all sorts of stuff that's not even probably legal. Whale penis on the wall, eight foot long whale penis. Um, And I wrote a story about those, those bawdy old waitress pinching bastards that was really good. I'm super proud of it to this day. And I nailed it. And I mean, Scott was, uh, within months I had a, uh, a $30,000 a year um, part-time contract to be Scott's boy. I was Scott's go-to boy. I w- wrote stories celebrating the L.L. Bean tote bag, which, by the way, you can use as a sea anchor if you're having problems in your boat, uh, among many other things. Um, I wrote about a lot of fun stuff there. And then David Granger uh, got, became the editor-in-chief of Esquire and brought Scott with him, and I came with Scott. And before long, I had a full-time contract.
0: Wow. So now you have a full-time contract at Esquire. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how Queer Eye came about?
1: So I'm writing happily for Esquire when a friend from New York calls and says, hey, I just saw this casting notice for the show Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, and I think you'd be good for the Food Guy. And I thought, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I wasn't out to my parents yet. I uh, had no no TV experience. But I thought, what the hell, I'll get some FaceTime with Granger and Scott and... and, um, crash on Scott's sofa in Hoboken. I'll go to this audition. I won't get the part. The show won't get made. No one's going to show a show like that. And I went to the audition, and I'll never... My favorite moment, it was in a steamy, hot Bravo conference room in One, one Pin Plaza in July um, of 2002. And there were a lot of people there. 500 people auditioned for Queer Eye, possibly 600. And I still remember the moment Carson Kressley walked into the room. He was wearing... Um, Gucci slides, these blousy uh, uh, pants covered with bl- bl- giant hibiscus flowers, a shirt that looked like the Seinfeld pirate shirt um, and in sunglasses, and he was carrying a giant Louis Vuitton duffel bag, which he flung into the air and allowed to crash onto the conference room table and said, I think it's really adorable that any of you guys thinks you're going to get my part. <laughs> <laughs> he was right. As it happens, um, Carson and I were the first two people they cast. I learned later we kind of bookend each other a little bit. We're we're fairly different, but I, I at the time by then I knew a fair bit, fair amount about food. I'm not a chef, but I I had done a lot of writing about chefs and, and gone to a, got a lot of restaurant reviews, and I could answer their questions better than the next guy. Yeah. And I was never afraid of the camera. And Queer I was tremendously popular for about a year and a half, made 100 episodes, won an Emmy got on the cover of Entertainment Weekly, had cartoons in The, in the New Yorker. We were all over the place. Um, it was, uh, we, we got to go to the Emmys, we met all these celebrities. It was really great. It was great, it was hard work. Uh, it was an amazing experience. Um, and it's a very good experience for a journalist to have the tables turned on you. Mm-hmm. And well, since I'm since I'm giving you my oral resume, I might as well just finish it. Uh, when Queer Eye was at its peak, Food, ne- Food Network asked me if I would guest judge on Iron Chef, just once. And then at the same time, Bravo asked me if I would guest judge on Top Chef just once. And so when and they liked what I did, so both of them kept me on. I ended up doing about half of the episodes for Top Chef's season seasons um, three, four, and five, I believe, and Iron Chef's whatever seasons those were. I I I, rev- I critiqued I think forty Iron Chefs, and what that did, aside from feeding me really amazing food, was it kept me on TV on two different networks after Queer I got canceled so it didn't pay a lot but it kept me visible and kept me in front of network executives and then along came some some shows of my own at food network and one of them was lightning in a bottle and we really got lucky and we're we're up to 345 episodes of chopped at this point and we just got renewed for a giant order the big our biggest yet uh i'm hosting a new show called all-star academy and also another competition but in that show uh, we also have the addition of mentors, and this is a competition for home cooks, not professional chefs. So we have Alex Gornicelli Michael Simon, Bobby Flay, and Curtis Stone, who mentor these home cooks. And if their if their cooks get kicked off, so do, so does the mentor. So there are interesting stakes there.
0: I know many of our listeners are Chop fans. Can you give us sort of a behind the scenes look at the show?
1: Sure. Um, we shoot in a in a studio in uh, the owned by Food Network inside Chelsea Market, right next to the test kitchens. Um, the Food Network has an amazing, gigantic test kitchens that staffs something like twenty or twenty five chefs full time. Prepping for the shows, um, sourcing our ingredients, deciding what's going to be in the basket. Uh, Chopped is a Chopped is basically a culinary game show where four chefs come in and, and compete uh, in three rounds. Each round has a basket of mystery ingredients. Ingredients that don't typically go together well ingredients that are often totally disgusting and sometimes are wonderful And then we have a panel of three judges that decide who wins and the winner gets typically 10,000 bucks Unless it's a special tournament or something um, We've gone through f- Probably 1, 13, 1400 chefs at this point 345 episodes um, We get there I get picked up at 630 in the morning and we hope to be wheels up at 8 meaning starting shooting at 8. Uh, we've really gotten good at what we're doing and knowing how to get it done. And um, we typically finish anywhere from 6, 7 o'clock. There, We have had days that went to 15 hours at the beginning. We have about 10 or 12 camera operators. Then we have some robot cameras in the ceiling that are operated by joysticks. We have a, a director and a team of producers um, and a couple of other interview rooms where they interview people and. Uh, I'm amazed that I'm not bored with it, but I'm not it's just different every time there That's I always felt this way in queer eye I was so lucky to have the food category because it's utterly limitless You could spend your entire life trying to taste everything and you can't and there's always a new way to put things together Chefs are endlessly interesting creative body raucous Drunken people who I really like being around They're a lot like reporters um in that they don't take no for an answer, and they don't whine, and they work their tails off uh, for not not much money. They're a lot like reporters. And uh, I just find it endlessly exciting and fun and cool, and um, it pays well. You do a lot of important charity work. Can you talk about some of the charities that you work with? Yes. So I'm uh, proud to be on the Food Council for City Harvest, which reclaims food from restaurants that would otherwise be wasted. And Distributes it to people in need in New York one in five New York children go to bed hungry every night Um, a a Larger number of people are food insecure as we say they're not sure where they're gonna get their next meal so this is a very appropriate group to work with and uh, I really enjoy that Um, I also work with um, no kid hungry, which is a division of share our strength. That's food networks um, Charity of choice they devote all their philanthropic energy that there and uh, a couple of things for the LGBT community. I've done a couple of things for the Point Foundation, for uh, the Alley Forney House, which provides housing for homeless gay kids. Um, just went to a fundraiser the other day for Hedrick Martin, which is the gay high school. And, uh, you know, uh, there's there no shortage of opportunities to do something interesting and exciting and fun. And i got to say, at the fundraiser for, for Hedrick Martin, this kid named Christian Sanchez, who had just won a scholarship... Because of this fund, gave a talk that was just so. The first thing he said was, "Yeah, I thank you for telling me that I'm fabulous. I know I'm fabulous. Uh, It's just you get so much back. You get so much more back than the effort that you have to put forth from groups like this. And so, you know, I'm. It's it's just a a privilege to to have a chance to be to contribute something so effortlessly, just just by emceeing something or you know buying a ticket." Uh, It's it's a privilege the people who are the real heroes in all of this are the people who drive the trucks and Volunteers and the activists uh, Also, oh I also work for HIV and AIDS organizations like Dining Out for Life um, Which is a a, an event that raises four million bucks in a single day That stays all in the communities where it was raised again another restaurant event that one benefits HIV organizations and local restaurants So it's kind of a win-win-win
0: Thanks so much for coming to speak with us
1: Sure, it's great to be here. I love my experience at NYU, and it's it's most. I may have said this when NYU was kind enough to give me an alumni award, but um, for most people, their university experience is a nice memory. For me, I, I walk through this place almost every day, and the memory is alive. And the school is bigger and better than ever, and is so respected. And it's just special. It keep, I feel like it almost keeps me younger, which I'm not. <clears throat> so I appreciate NYU very much for that. And I mean, also, the, the, we started by talking about some of the professors that mattered the most to me. And most of them actually weren't professors. They were journalists. They were working New York Times grade journalists um, who really, that's the kind of, you know, I was here for graduate education in, 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 this, in this field. And there could be no better way to have it. So it's a part of me everywhere I go. I promise, Bill, if you're listening, uh, Bill Burroughs, I promise that I will write again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all, I, I haven't forgotten my education, I promise.
0: For more information on Ted, visit his website at www.tedallen.net.